joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Marie Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous, your host for another adventure in the discovery of how you can reduce or eliminate stress from all aspects of your life. And today my guest is Dr. Ram Weber, and she is a Ph.D. sexologist turned spiritual medium. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, She's passionate about uh, helping people to live their best and be their best and do their best. And she's also an author of um, the book, I believe, called The Just Belief Show and the Healing Artist. And before I just go on with how wonderful she is, it's just going to be my pleasure to bring her to you and let you know that today we're going to be talking about how you can amplify your intuition so that you can utilize that as you travel down your path to bliss. So welcome to the show, Dr. Rom Weber. How Thank are you? Thank you so much for having me aboard. Good evening. It's it's a pleasure to have you, and thank you for saying yes, because without you saying yes, we would not be able to bring this wonderful information to the listeners out there. And listeners, I want to just have you at this moment, if you can, um, maybe you might want to grab a piece of paper and a pen, sit back and relax with your favorite beverage, and listen to the intriguing show that is ahead. I'm going to jump right in and talk about... Um, Dr. Rom's experience as a sexologist. Sure. Now, the question I want to ask you about being a sexologist, mm-hmm. um, first of all, can you define for our listeners what exactly is a sexologist? Absolutely. A sexologist is somebody who has professional training in the interdisciplinary study of human sexuality. So it's everything from sex therapy and counseling to sex and religion, sex and the law, sex and anthropology, and so forth. And most people, about 89%, for example, of the graduates of the school I attended, go on to be sex therapists and sex counselors, those people that you talk to when you have a concern about your own sex life or perhaps the sex life that you're sharing with a partner. Mm, That sounds intriguing. You know, um, sex is always a wonderful topic, and a lot of times people are not real comfortable discussing it because, you know, it's um, it has this, you know, this misnomer around um, society that, oh, that's not something you should discuss in public. However, um, I think it's wonderful as a healthcare professional myself that we're bringing to the forefront of this information and topics that used to be uh, taboo to talk about and we're bringing it to the forefront to talk about because a lot of people do have issues around things that involve um, sex, and and it's not necessarily kinky or naughty or nasty, but it's actually, you know, things that other people may be having problems with, and 
um, you never know what information you're sharing might be able to help someone else. Absolutely. Now, with regards to that, um, have you had people that come to you with, you know, basically that taboo misnomer, that taboo aura about uh, sexuality and talking about sex, um, that once they work with you have discovered that it's okay, it's an okay thing to talk about, and, and it's not naughty or nasty, but it's actually a very natural thing. Absolutely. Well, two points with that. One is the idea of reintegrating our sexuality. One of the things that got me interested in the seal was that I realized that our sexuality was something much like, you know, our jobs, our meal planning, our workouts. You know, it was one of the big things that we had in life, and it needed to be integrated into the way we think about it consciously. So for me, it was all about demystifying it and making it something comfortable for people to talk about. But another thing when we talk about it, uh, as far as, you know, terms of like the everyday consultations and that kind of thing, we want to really just bring it home to a real sense of grounded sexuality and in sense of integrated. And with sex therapy in the field, we have this model called PLISSIT, P-L-I-S-S-I-T, PLISSIT. And what that stands for is kind of how we work with our clients. First, the P stands for permission giving because that's where people need to start. They need to be okay with it. Then limited information, that's the L and the I. Specific suggestions, of course, what exactly you need to do, that's the SS. And then the IT stands for intensive therapy. So there might be some issues where people really need um, a mental health counselor, like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and that would be the last part. So we rule out all the simple stuff first before we get to the very intensive therapy, and so much gets solved just by communication and education. I like that. And, you know, you guys, this show is really about how to amplify your intuition. Mm -hmm. But um, because she is a sexologist, I do want to dwell a little bit into that because I know intuition plays into a lot of what we do. And a lot of times we don't even realize that intuition plays into our sexuality and our, our, you know, experience with other people on that Mm -hmm. level. So, um, you know, it's. I think it's a great way to start our, our topic of conversation today. And plus, I'm curious myself because I, I know a couple of people that specialize in what you do, and mm-hmm. it's always so nice and um, refreshing to hear someone talk about the subject of sex without it, you know, having that negative or dirty, quote-unquote, connotation. So I know there are people out there that are like, what the heck? But stay tuned, listen, because I guarantee you it's going to get more, even more intriguing. Now, um, Dr. Rom, let me let me just ask you this question because this is I'm now I've got peaked curiosity within myself. Okay. Do you have a lot of people that come to you that really are stressed out about um first of all sex or issues that they're having with sex and they come to you really stressed out about it and you have to kind of peel the onion back, so to speak, or peel (laughs) the layers of the onion back to get to the root of it and really help them engage into um, normal, healthy conversation around the topic of sex? Absolutely. I mean, what we talk about in terms of therapy is we often talk about, uh, like, the presenting issue versus the underlying issue. So people come, you know, thinking it's one thing, it can be something else, a little bit more hidden. One of the things that's been fascinating me lately, and I'm going to be working on a program uh, for next spring in, in, uh, in, excuse me, in Manhattan about that, 
is this idea of underlying sexual scripts. And that means that before we even get sexy with somebody else, we have this idea of things that we might want and things we might expect. And we probably have a list of yes, no's, and maybes in our head, whether we're conscious of it or not. The problem is, is that the person that we're going to engage with may be on the same script or a very different script. And without that communication, you can't find out where the other person's holding their cards. You're just kind of going on this automatic pilot. And I can't tell you the number of times people have said, you know, well, where's the instruction manual? Or, you know, you were just supposed to know this already. And so there's been almost like a cultural devaluing in sometimes of getting to know each other and what the other person likes just in terms of communication. So we want to get back to attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs that help out just talking to one another no matter where we're coming from so we can get that idea of the sexual scripts out and find out really where our loved one is coming from. Oh, my gosh, that's that's beautiful, and it opened up another question for me. Sure. So you, know, you work with these people, or these people mm. come to you, and they have this underlying stress that they don't really know uh, what it's about or where it's coming from when it, with regards to sex, and you help them peel back the layers of the onion and say, you know, hey, communication is, is the, one of the most important things that you can do with your partner, um, and when you communicate, you're able to throw out the perceived expectations or the perceived wanting or knowing what the other person's wanting um, because you're not communicating and there's this whole ball of stress that gets knotted up, say, in your gut. And they come to you and you, you allow them to communicate and you help them to understand that communication is a valuable part of this. Now, Absolutely. when they discover this, what do you see in regards to, one, their stress level? Um, and, and that's like, I want to say really 1A, but really number one, what do you what do you see with them when they when they say the light bulb comes on and they're like, aha, oh, it's okay. And what do you see um, in the people that you work with when they discover this this wonderful, wonderful uh, tool of just communicating um, that they hadn't been doing before? Hmm. Well, it gets very exciting for them usually because that they know they have. Um, a way to be the agent of what they're looking for, you know. So, you know, deep inside or maybe, you know, on a more shallow level, they have things that they want. And when they feel like they have their permission within themselves to go for it, you know, it can feel very empowering for them and certainly brings down the stress level because you talk about uh, stress in your show. And one of the things that causes the stress is the difference between what's actually happening, what we think should be happening, right? And without communicating about that, that's hard for those two things to happen. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about, I've been working with uh, another sexologist as we put on this uh, program for next year. One of the things we're talking about is this idea of do people have a value about being silent in the bedroom or not? You know, do we think it's better sex if we don't have to say anything about it, if it just happens naturally? And if we do put a a value on the idea of, like, it's all natural all the time, then the thing that we miss is that with sex is that it's, it's perfectly natural, but it's rarely naturally perfect. So there's a point where you can talk it out, even if that talk doesn't happen in the bedroom. Maybe it can happen, you know, over dinner or over a drink or, you know, someplace that the people feel safe together. So that's another thing we're looking at. Oh, I like that. Uh, and and that, that segues perfectly into my next question with regards to um, utilizing your intuition. Mm-hmm. 
how would you explain to someone how to first of all tap into their intuition when it comes to the topic of sex and um, how to really utilize what their intuition is telling them to to guide them within the communication process of with their partner regarding uh, sex? Well, I think here it's really important to think about intuition on two levels because when it comes to sexuality intuition, I feel strongly that it's a double-edged sword. And I say that coming from that academic sexologist place first. And the reason is this. Because so much of sexuality is um, in a position where communication is important, if we miss the steps of communication or we miss how we're communicating, that can get us in trouble. Like, for in other words, if we... Um, if we make assumptions about, say, what another person's history is, that's one thing that sexologists are very much aware of. In fact, in a sexological interview or history taking, one of the things that we do is we assume everybody's done everything. And so when it comes to talking about sexuality and talking about what you want and what would make things better or would make things functional, one of the things we want to be talking about is not missing those small pieces of communication that can mean the world to somebody. So in a sense, part of me wants to say, hang on to that intuition. First, just get the facts on the table, find out what's going on, do some straight talking. The other way intuition can come into play is, um, you know, getting that sixth sense of if a person's saying something, is there like kind of a hidden agenda behind it? Or are they coming out and being straight with you, you know? So you want to be able to communicate in an environment that's really with as much fun and as little pressure as possible so that people are comfortable saying what they want to need. So actually, even though I do come at things from an intuitive point of view, the sexologist mm-hmm. in me says, hold your horses and talk plainly. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And I know... Um, I didn't tell the listeners out there, and I, and I was saying this part um, to spring forth now, but Dr. Ron Weber is also a medium, and um, and I want to I want to tap into her wisdom about her. I guess it's called mediumship. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Tap into her wisdom about her mediumship and how she utilizes that to help her her clients in this this area that we're discussing right now. Can you just share a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. They actually came apart, excuse me, came across very separately. I was in school from about kindergarten to PhD nonstop. I was uh, coming from a place that was very much uh, academically oriented, never really thought seriously about anything psychic, mediumistic, intuitive. It was something that I accepted, but I never saw myself doing it. So the intuition kept growing, and then I had a spontaneous mediumship experience in my mid-20s, and that had an effect on me of just falling in love with it because when I realized I could do it, it was like being the mediator, the go-between, between two people that love each other. So it was kind of a very natural tie-in after the study of human sexuality because here I was, you know, a sex expert, and the part that was really missing in that educational experience was all the talk about love, believe it or not, because the clinicians, um, you're kind of making that assumption when you're talking about human sexuality, that either it's a loving relationship or it's a non-loving relationship and people can be sexual in both capacities. 
But when you're talking about mediumship, you're talking about a spiritual connection between here and the hereafter. And all that's happening on the vibration of love. So they can be very complementary. Oh, I like that. And can you just explain to the listeners, because, you know, I know probably some people are out there getting freaked out about, oh, my God, what are they talking about? And, you mm. know, she did one from, you know, we're, we're, we're hmm, I like to be a trendsetter. Hmm. I'd never <laughs> like to, uh, I like to be what, you know, the leader the, instead of the follower. And I like to make things very interesting and keep them interesting and, and keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. So can you just explain to people, when you're talking about mediumship, sure. I know what you're talking about, okay. And um, But I just want those that might be listening, it's like they're talking about sex and medium. What's a medium? Can you explain to the listeners exactly what a medium is? Sure. A medium is somebody who uses their internal spiritual senses and channels of perception to understand and tune into those who have passed on to spirit, so people that have died. And we believe in the idea of the spirit living on. And we also believe in the idea that the spirit can communicate. Um, there's different theories about how, but they can communicate with a living person. And in turn, that living person can receive these communications through their internal senses and communicate ideas to the survivors of the loved one in spirit. And when I talk about communication, what I'm talking about is the same way you might daydream or see a vision inside your mind's eye or the same way you might hear a song on the radio inside your mind's ear, mediums pick up just like that. It's very basic like that. And through practice, development, unfolding, uh, attention, so forth, uh, we can develop that to a very strong level. And what I do is very conversational. It's in the broad light of day. It's in an attitude of joyous reunion and celebration. And it tends to be very uplifting and empowering for people that experience it. So it's definitely not something someone should be afraid of because, you know, you're, you're tapping into, you know, spirits of um, of loved ones that may have passed on. And exactly. And I know still have a ton of information that they would, you know, like to share um, with those of us that are still here. And, and sometimes if you're not real intuitive or you haven't developed that muscle, so to speak, um, the communication from your loved one that may have passed on, gets lost in translation, so to speak. It doesn't get to you. And you, you're, I see you as just a person that is able to tap into that information from the mm-hmm. loved one and give it to the, the living one that they want to receive the information in a very loving, caring, and, and full of light way. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the ways that I've been explaining it lately that helps people to understand is we all know these stories about the toddler in the crib whose mom or dad comes in and the toddler talks about seeing the person that's obviously the grandmother or the grandfather who's passed on. They'll say, oh, yeah, this person came to visit and they look like this and they told me their name was this and they told me, you know, they worked on bicycles or whatever. And so we have lots of reports of children being in contact with deceased relatives. And everybody just, you know, puts that in their family stories. But then when people are on their deathbed, so to speak, We also hear lots and lots of stories about people reaching out to loved ones, feeling like a loved one's coming for them, all this kind of thing. So on both ends of life, we have people of all sorts of belief systems who are saying they're contacting people who have passed on or we're observing that they do. So it's the beginning of life and the end of the life. And what mediums are doing is just holding on to that capacity through the rest of the lifespan. I think it's within all of us. 
Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautifully said because um, I can definitely relate to that. And I've heard, you know, even people in my own uh, family have experienced, um, you know, things like, you know, someone passed away. And, and And it really is usually a little kid because they're not tainted by all the stuff as you grow up you get kind of tainted and swayed by and told oh you shouldn't be doing that or whatever but it's mm-hmm. usually a little kid because they're very open and they'll say you know oh grandpa was here and you know or whoever and you know they were telling me this and you know and, and you know having like they give you this full detailed conversation that they had with this quote-unquote person that has passed on and some adults are like it's really freaked out about it, and others take it into context as like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. What else did they say? Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, as, uh, uh, my career as an emergency room trauma nurse, I've dealt with, uh, you know, death death, death and dying a lot mm-hmm. and, um, you know, would have um, patients that were actually passing on or passing forward, so to speak, okay. and they would be having this conversation, and wow. they're looking, you know, they're looking out, like, you know, they're looking at someone, and they're having this conversation, and these people are really, you know, really ill. They're getting ready to, to cross over, so to speak, and, and they're having this conversation, and, I, you know, I'd be looking like, I can't believe you're having this conversation, but I can't believe it because I believe it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then they go, and yes. they go really people, and there was a... The incident with my dad, he was, you know, he was getting ready to die, and mm-hmm. but he was still living, and he would tell me that he would be meditating, and he would have, as he was meditating, he would have these, these people would come to him, and they were from, you know, he would describe how they were dressed. So they weren't from, like, quote-unquote, our time, but they were, like, from the 1800s or the 1600s based on how he was describing the way they were dressed and the clothing they had on and mm-hmm. things they were telling him. And, I'm, and I said, well, I think those are just, your, just people in our family that have passed on within the generations that you just didn't know. And we would laugh and joke about it. And then when he did pass away, you know, it was like, oh, he, you know, he, and they were telling him stuff that was going to happen. And, you know, it was really um, so vivid for him that he was able to relate it to me. And because I wasn't afraid of it, you know, uh-huh. I allowed, he was like, because I was afraid, he talked more. You know how they just will talk more and more about it. And <laughs> sure. it was really interesting when he, he passed on. It was like, wow. He was right, and you know certain th- certain things would happen, and it was like, oh, you know, Dad was right, or oh, yeah, I can relate to that what he said. And so, um, I I just think it's not anything to be afraid of. And with regards to what we're talking about today, which is amplifying your intuition, and, and mm-hmm. especially you know with the sex the sex part, um, I'm sure that you've been able to share with people a wealth of information. You know how you always say, God, if I knew what I if I knew this now, if I knew what I knew yes. now when I was 20. Oh yeah, dynamite. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> these people, you know, they're coming back to try to help you to know what they knew, so you don't have to try to figure it out. And oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it's amazing along those lines. I, I call it spiritual one upping, and here's what will happen: I'll have a client, the one a connection with the loved one in spirit. We never know who's going to show up. We have them talking to somebody that they know, friend or family member that's passed on, maybe a teacher, maybe a neighbor. And maybe they'll ask a question like, you know, when am I going to win the lottery or just something like that, right? And you'll hear this talk back almost immediately, something like, well, you know, if you could save five bucks once a week, you might have a better shot at it. You know, it's like this idea of like looking at the bigger picture or like just maybe somebody who um, maybe they were in a string of bad relationships, you know, 
and you hear the aunt or the grandmother saying, you know, if you valued yourself more, the other person's right around the corner, but he or she is looking for somebody with better self-esteem. So you hear that coming from spirit a lot. You hear something positive and uplifting and saying, you know, push on, push on and do better. So you have that a lot. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, and God, I'm just like really loving talking to you about this because this, this is definitely, you know, different. And um, and I think it, it's going to help a lot of people. I'm glad. And I wish we had time to talk about all your ER stuff because I'm fascinated. Oh, we, you can call me anytime off offline, and, and good. We can, I could definitely share some really fascinating, um, interesting stories um, about my my career as an ER trauma nurse. Um, but okay, so let's get back to you. And right. so now that we've um, kind of laid the foundation and, mm-hmm. and uh, opened things up with regards to not only sex, but you know what exactly medium is and what you what you do and how do you, how you utilize that in your profession with helping people. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the channels of perception? Gladly. And, you know, there's, there's something that I hear that I've heard a lot, and it just, it used to drive me crazy. And then I, I stepped back and said, you know what, maybe this is, this is true. And the thing was, um, perception, you know, someone's perception is really their reality. And even if it's not real reality, it's their reality. Mm-hmm. So sure. can you just tell us a little bit about the channels of perception? Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that people tend to be interested in is, you know, how as a professional medium and psychic I actually see things or know things, right? And so we talk about this idea of six senses, but I like to break it down a little bit more. We have everybody, not just me as a trained medium or psychic, but everybody has this capacity. We have the capacity to get information that comes non-rationally, right? So non-logical thinking. And we perceive that through things like our mind's eye, where we daydream, uh, where we hear uh, a song on the radio that we can't get out of our head. Those two things are called clairvoyance and clairaudience. And clair is just a French word that means clear, and the second part of the word refers to how or where we perceive it from. So we've got clairvoyance, we've got clairaudience, but then we've got the other ones that relate to all the other regular senses we have. So when we have a sense of a taste you can't get out of your mouth or a scent that you smell in the room or just that gut feeling about something. There's a lot of different ways we look at that. That's clairgustation. That's the um, tasting, clairolfaction. That's the scent of something coming into your awareness. Clairsentience refers, refers to clear feeling. And for that one, not to make the matters too complicated, but I know there's two kinds of feelings we talk about. One is when we talk about feeling emotion, and the other one is when we talk about feeling like tactile things, like the way you know, a burlap bag feels or something like that. So we have a lot of different senses we can bring in to guide us in our psychic, intuitive, and mediumship abilities. With that said, <laughs> um, each person perceives differently. One sense mm-hmm. might be stronger than the other. So like in my case, vision is the strongest quality. There's mm-hmm. also something called claircognizance where you just know something. Mm-hmm. So I get that too. I get uh, a lot of things about music because I'm very musical. So everybody perceives differently, and it doesn't matter which of these senses come through for you. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you trust whichever way you're getting it. That's really important. Wow. I thank you for explaining all of that. Because, you're welcome. Um, Thanks for asking the question. You know, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you know, I, I you know, you hear about clairvoyance and clairaudience, and you know, um, 
uh, all the other clairs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people aren't really clear on the definition of them. And I definitely have some of those um, those qualities. Um, some are way, way stronger than others and definitely has helped me in my life, especially as a uh, you know, being a registered nurse and mm-hmm. and health practitioner and all that stuff. But now I want to ask you with regards to them, how do they relate to our natural senses? Um, you know, is it, it, can someone, how, first of all, how do they relate to our natural senses mm-hmm. and can someone develop them if they don't think they really have them or make them strong, you know, take one aspect of it and make them stronger? Definitely. Well, there's one thing to talk about even like maybe before I to get into the distinct senses you need some kind of feedback loop you need to know with when you're tuning into a sense whether that's hearing seeing whatnot regardless of what you're using it for maybe it's intuition psychic mediumship whatnot how can a person know if what they sensed is correct right that's that's the big thing we all want to do we want to develop these to have accurate perceptions through these uh, other channels of perception so Whatever a person chooses to develop, I strongly recommend they keep a little notebook with them. And when they have this perception, on whatever level they have it, write it down so that you, and date it so that you can come back to it later. And again, you don't, you don't need to um, – you, you want to make sure that even if you're, you're thinking you're not so sure, you want to write those not-so-sure things down too. Because intuition, psychic work, the – gut part of mediumship, it all comes through these very subtle differences in the way we naturally perceive things. It, things will come across as a very subtle change. It's, it's rarely like a two-by-four. People think, you know, you're just going to be, you know, walking in and you're going to be seeing something or feeling, and it's going to be so obvious. And it might be, right? Got to give credit. It might be real obvious. But if you're just beginning to develop it, it tends to be more like a whisper, more like a gossamer thread, more like something that just feels subtle, and maybe even something so subtle that you can't put your finger on it. And what I want your listeners to know is that that feeling of not being able to put your finger on it is exactly what you're looking for. Oh, wow. That's, That's where it is. And it's getting confident enough to make note every single time you feel that way and repeating it. Wow. And that's how um, development happens. I, I, I mean? want to ask. I, go, 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 yeah, go, go, go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and so this is the thing. It's like this is where I feel very excited about teaching people because when you ask people to focus on something with an attempt to use these senses for greater knowledge, I follow the author Laura Day's ideas of practical intuition where she talks about the ideas of putting everything down, including your critical mind. And also from the remote viewing community, we have these ideas called analytical overlay. It's Mm -hmm. recognizing that whether we look at it from a metaphysical or a scientific perspective, we're looking at two different columns. We're talking about the column where you trust your perceptions and the ones where you're critical about your perceptions. And when you're developing, you need to make note of both. Because then you realize the things that you tend to be critical of are often right on. And you don't want to miss any of those things. So it becomes a very diligent process of recording everything one way or another and giving yourself time to make it a feedback loop and get some validation and know where your hits and misses are. And I know that's a very long explanation to get to how to do it, but that's that's the core component. 
Wow, no, that that that's great. And um and I want to ask you um something about deja vu. Deja vu, Ooh. but right now it's it's I got to I got to recognize one of our fabulous sponsors and when I when we come back from the recognition of the fabulous sponsor, I'm going to ask you this question cuz I I just thought of it and I'm wondering if it plays into, you know, first of all, uh working at intuitive muscle or, you know, really what it is and how we can utilize it to really amplify our intuition. So hold on. Hold on, listeners. I I know um, she's fabulous, um, but we have to recognize one of our fabulous sponsors as well. And the sponsor that I want to recognize right now is called 21 Drops. And 21 Drops is a modern essential oil company. And what they do and believe is that essential oils are the root of it all, benefiting the mind, body, and spirit. They know that when these highly fragrant and concentrated molecules are extracted from the various parts of the plant, such as the leaves, the fruit, the wood, the seeds, and the flowers, these aspects of the plant represent the plant's critical immune systems and survival mechanisms. Now, because plants and men have evolved alongside each other for many years with the same chemistry, once humans either inhale or absorb these beautiful essence of essential oils into our bloodstream, they interact with our body creating balance and wellness. And that is one of the principles of what the science of aromatherapy is based upon. At 21 Drops, they source their essential oils from organically grown herbs or plants that are collected from all over the world. And this results in them getting the purest, most highly effective therapeutic form of the essential oil from the plant. They select essential oils that are carefully fused to create the most customized blend and solutions for many of their clients' problems, anywhere from headache to heartache. And what they do is they capture the incredible power of these pure essential oils, not only for our therapeutic purposes, but they believe that when they do this and we utilize their products, that they are empowering us, our, their friends, their customers, to feel better and be better. Now, 21 Drops, again, houses all kind of essential oils, and they have customized blends that um, they create themselves. And when they do this, they believe that these customized blends and these essential oils comprise of these hard-working adaptogens that um, are more targeted and they're the more delicate part of the plant species that we can utilize for specific purposes in maintaining our balance and wellness. Now, all of the essential oils are 100% organic, or wildcrafted, and again, they're sourced from all artisans from all over the globe. So if you're looking for that essential oil that you just have been having a difficulty finding or you're looking for a specialized, customized solution, I highly suggest that you check out 21drops.com. That's the number 21, the word drops with an S, dot com, and I guarantee you'll find something to help you out that will make you feel better be better and just have extreme balance and wellness within your life. Now, let's get back to Dr. Rom. And I have posed a question to her before the sponsor break about deja vu. I know we've all had that at some time in our lives. And for me, it's really, I it used to, I've had it since I was a kid. And, um, and when I have it and it just, um, you know, it used to kind of be kind of freaky because it's like, oh, I've been here before. What mm-hmm. does it mean? Or, you know, it, you know, I can almost say like there was a lesson that I, you know, something I was supposed to do and I'm doing it, and then it's like the 
light bulb goes on from dim to bright, so to speak. How does that work with um, our intuition or amplifying our intuition? Okay, well, let me set up a picture for you, listeners. Think of a person in a boat on a river, and the boat is on the river that in front of him or her curves around a bend, and behind him or her also curves around a bend. And that person in the boat has a hard time seeing too much ahead because it's going to curve around. And it's also hard to see too much behind because the road's also curved behind them. And you can kind of think of that as a past and a future. And where they are in the boat right now is the present. So it's hard to kind of see on both directions, especially the future. But if you're an eagle and you're up in the sky and you're looking down on that person in the boat, it's pretty easy to see what's ahead and what's behind. And my feeling about spirituality is that there's a part of us that's always the eagle. There's a part of us that's always connected as spirit. And we have an inner capacity to see forward and behind. But in our regular day-to-day lives, we've got to take care of, you know, the soccer mom stuff and the business stuff and, you know, everything. You know, mm-hmm. our in-laws, our outlaws, whoever. <laughs> we get caught up on all this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult, unless we make the effort usually, to, to look at that forward and behind part. And I think that one of the ways we get back in touch with that is that feeling of deja vu. I think what deja vu is probably doing is taking us to the point of our spirit that has already seen it because our spiritual selves have that point of view. And when I hear from people who have passed on, one of the, one of the things I have heard them say is how different time is. It's like that part of our spirit is timeless or out of time. Or, you know, when they show me things that are either past, present, or future, the quality of the picture is the only thing that lets me know whether this thing has happened or not yet. It's almost as if they see everything happening at once. So I think that's probably where deja vu is coming from. I think it's a part of ourselves that does see it. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really interesting when when that occurs. And I, I know the listeners out there can probably relate to it. You know, oh, it's yeah. like it's like a movie frame. And, you know, you see that one segment, I'm going to say you might – see 10 frames of a 100-frame movie and you mm-hmm. experience the deja vu and it's like, oh, my gosh, or, you know, but it, it it really, for me, it really helps me to guide myself and know that I'm on the right path because um, I wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't meant to happen. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing and I'm, I am an, uh, a very intuitive person. Um, I always have been since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And there was times that I just didn't listen to my intuition and boy, did How I feel about that. <laughs> but now, you know, that I have one, one, one big thing that happened that I didn't listen to my intuition. And after that, I vowed and I, I told, you know, God, spirit, the divine, um, that you, you've given me this gift and I've been ignoring it and been afraid to utilize it mm. to its fullest capacity and now it's time for me to step into it and you best believe right I listen to my intuition all the time. Now, I know that, um, you know, in the context of just what we're talking about, how do, um, how does someone know that, you know, again, like with deja vu or, you know, something in, that their intuition they feel in their gut how do they know that they're just not imagining it? Because, you know, our mind tends to play tricks on us and our ego is very, it's always seeking attention. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, like that big incident, it's like I thought it was just my ego. Sure. You know, but it wasn't. It was for real. How do we know that we're just not imagining things? Well, a couple of different points. First, to start out with a little bit of reframing. When we talk about imagination, one of the ways it's been talked about is that's where our minds image things. So if right now I said think about an orange, there's somewhere in your mind's eye that you're thinking about an orange. You might be seeing it. You might be perceiving it in some way. The difference is this, is that when we talk about the sense of is it our imagination, we're just making it up. When we make something up, it takes mental effort. We've got, we got to work on it. We've got to fabricate it, if you will. Not lying. I'm not talking about lying. I'm just talking about this idea of actually creating it. When we talk about um, manifesting, we talk about this idea of creating an image in our eye and letting it go, this kind of thing. And it's work. It comes with the sensation and experience of work on some level. When we get something intuitively, there is absolutely no work involved. And that is the clearest way I've ever been able to tell the difference. So in other words, if somebody, if I'm, if I'm just um, going into a client session or a group demonstration, my mind starts off blank. I have meditated ahead of time and I've gotten to a position where there is like nothing going on in my mind, right? And when something drops in that does not have the sensation of work, that's when I know the ball's starting to roll. That's the big one. The other thing might be true for some of your listeners too, and this is something that's developed a little bit differently. I mean, one thing to know is that as you work with your intuition, different perceptions can change. So some of those channels of perception we were talking about earlier, something gets stronger, some weaker, sometimes they shift, sometimes they combine. One thing that's really been happening with me lately is I've noticed that my accuracy is best when there is no emotion connected to information for me. So no emotion whatsoever, right? Just comes in as it is, no emotional feeling, no matter the weakness or the strength of that information. So even if it's information that's really hard to pass on or very lighthearted, mm-hmm. accuracy is connected with lack of emotion for me. That might not be how other people perceive it. Other people might find that they're the most accurate, the more emotions connected to it, you know? So I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that either. That's, right. that's one factor. And then for me, like another factor is I've always been somewhat uh, clairaudient, so I hear a little bit. But now mm. that hearing is starting to turn into dialogue. It didn't, it didn't used to be so much clear dialogue, almost like if somebody was speaking. Um, and so these different ways that our perceptions change over time, um, with the important thing is just being open to all of them and seeing what's right on for you. Oh, uh, thank you for sharing that because um, I like the part when you said that it's it's not it's not work it, it's it's not the uh, fabrication so to speak but it's not it's not work it's clear it's it's easy it flows in it's it's beautiful whereas uh, if you're imagining it you're creating it so to speak and it, mm-hmm. it you have a the sense of that it is work I I mean wow. It, the, it, this is just so enlightening for me. I'm, I'm not trying to be selfish with regards to what's happening for me because I know if it's happening for me talking to you, I know it's happening for the many thousands of listeners that we have exactly. as well. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, wow, girl, wow. <laughs> I'm glad to like it because, you know, I spend a lot of my time teaching people and I see when their minds are going into this, you know, analytic piece where they're trying to, you know, make sense of things because when we have 
you know, beginning experience with developing our intuition, some stuff will come in there that seems, it just seems completely crazy to us, absolutely yeah. crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. what is this crazy information and where is it coming from? And people get a little freaked out sometimes, you know, because mm-hmm. they can't make sense of it. And if you just trust it and just make a note of it and record it and stay open, sooner or later the crazy parts are going to make sense, you know, and they're not going to be so crazy. Right. You know? Wow. Wow. Yes, I, I do. I, I Gosh. I. Oh! <laughs> you know, if it's all right, I was just thinking about this and the crazy. I just want to bring up one point about, you know, the whole idea of, like, craziness and voices, because I think that's another thing that, People talk about sometimes, like, you know, right. if I'm hearing my voices in my head, am I going crazy? I just right. want to share one little, you know, uh, backstage or, you know, behind-the-scenes piece of information about that. As part of the mediumistic community, part of the community of people that are, are working psychics and mediums, one thing we know is that when we get information, it's going to be positive, uplifting, and inspiring, and it's going to seek wellness and balance and harmony and helping people out of catch-22 situations and very much positive vibration, right? When people say, well, what if I'm hearing voices is a bad thing? One of the things that I would just ask people to think about is, is anything they're perceiving causing them to feel like they want to harm themselves or another person? Because that's an entirely different kind of hearing something. Mm-hmm. And that is not what we would put in the realm of psychic and mediumistic experience. Right. Right. So I just See, want to kind of yeah. differentiate that because I'm sure that in healthcare you're also working with those differences too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. Um, yeah, and that's always an intriguing aspect of, um, you know, dealing with um, people with mental illness. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that's always an intriguing aspect. Um and I know there are people out there out probably listening right now that are questioning, you know, the, we all have voices in our head. We all do. <laughs> you know, it's just whether, they, you know, are they the good voices or the bad voices? And, you know, and, and it's, it's and thank, so thank you for clarifying that because I don't want people to get, get you know, read, miss, get the signals mixed, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, now, what are some of the foundational things that someone can do to start amplifying their intuition? Okay, well, one thing is that you want to have a place where you're able to start paying attention to the subtle differences and subtle pieces of information that you're going to pick up on. So the first thing people got to figure out how to do is how to clear their mind for a period of time. And I know we're all busy and nobody wants to sit down and meditate and everything like that. I don't know of another way to do it. And by meditating, we don't have to talk about sitting down. It could be a walk in the woods. It could be doing yoga. Uh, it could be through playing a musical instrument and letting your mind clear. But one way or the other, somebody's got to develop a ritual for clearing their mind and getting into that space. That's the first thing. So you want to be able to clear your mind, and you want to be able to discharge whatever emotional baggage you're holding on to. For me, what I do is I've used the chakra system. And that's a system that people might have seen pictures of where you see kind of um, uh, balls of energy going up the spinal cord, spinal column. If you've seen that represented sometimes when people are sitting in a cross-legged position and you see those colored pictures. Yeah, I'm a Without, practitioner, so I know all Oh, okay, about, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll, go I'll on. refer people to you for more explanation on that. But in any event, <laughs> that's one of the ways I do because to me that's like clearing out all, all the needless energy that I don't need for my work. So if something's upsetting me that day, 
I cannot work effectively. I have to really let that go. And so, you know, much like you see like dogs or cats that will go in a circle to find just where they want to sit down, I'll find that because professional mediumship and psychic work takes that kind of discipline, oh, I'll avoid it forever. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, just, I'll, I'll be bad. I'll just, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to hold on to my, you know, my dramas and my emotions and my uptightness right. for the day. And you got to let it go. you got to even let it go for that time period that you're working. So that's real important. And one technique I use is that when I close my eyes, I imagine there's a park bench, and I imagine putting my cares and troubles in a package on the bench, and I say, you know what, I can come back to them in an hour or two when I'm done. They'll still be there. Don't worry. You know, they're not going to go away. But for the time and the practice, you need to get your head clear. You need to find some way of putting that aside. So that's the first step. And then from that, you can start doing exercises that help you tune into your internal sense of seeing or hearing or feeling or knowing. But the first step has got to be finding that still, quiet space. There's no way around it. Beautiful, beautiful. And as if you guys are out there listening, if you've heard the show, you know I, um, I highly advocate meditation. I, I mean, I'm a certified meditation specialist. I'm an Ayurvedic health practitioner as well as a registered nurse. And um, and I I agree 100% with what Dr. Rama is saying with regards to clearing the mind and allowing or letting your, your body, so to speak, purge or let things go and not hold on to them. Um, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, it, it is true what she's saying. Um, now, with regards to that, say someone's beginning to do that and they're beginning to work on amplifying their intuition and, and utilizing the wonderful information that you've shared with us, what kind of obst- obstacles might they face in trying to amplify their intuition? Okay, well, a couple things. One is this idea of the monkey mind. It's the idea of you're trying to sit down or take that walk and you just cannot let your mind relax for whatever reason. You might just need to come back to that idea at another time, okay? So that's part of it. And I'm not talking about avoidance behavior. I'm just saying, you know, there's just some times where things are more important than meditating that day. So that's one of the things is to recognize that try as we best. Don't don't make it a chore to meditate. Make it a pleasure. So that's one of the things we want to do. So change the mindset with that. Take that time for yourself and enjoy it. Uh, another thing is when people are working, If I give, say, my students a target practice idea and I say, you know, I want you to focus on this particular thing and get this particular piece of information on it, they might come up with 10 pieces of information. And again, getting back to that old critical idea, they might trust to say or articulate, uh, put down on paper, in some way make known maybe eight pieces of information. But maybe two of them will just say, eh, I don't know about that, so I'm not going to say it. And doggone it if it isn't those two that are the most spot-on and accurate. It's like when you were talking about trusting your intuition, mm-hmm. and when we don't, it's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm-hmm. We want to amplify the shoulda, woulda, coulda to do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We're looking for the shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's, you know, in fact, that's almost, I think, what I want to call it from now on, the shoulda, woulda, coulda monster, you know? Yeah. Because that's exactly what we're going for. And because we are trained in the Western world especially to think so rationally, that that feeling, that, that, oh, I'm not sure about that, it's, it's hard to put it down. We want, and what we want to do is we want to amplify that shoulda, woulda, coulda. We want to label it. We want to talk about the part of our mind that might be less rational 
that's harder to trust and start making a note of it. And not so much judging if it's right or wrong from the beginning, but just putting it down so that we can get validation whether it is right or wrong later. So it's putting everything down, literally like dumping everything in our head and our perceptions, and then finding a way to backtrack it on it later. It's like with art. You write it all down first and you bring in the critic later. Write it all down. Create that composition. Create that painting. Create that piece of dance movement. And allow that brainstorming to happen before you get critical. And that's really, really important. Mm, you want to allow yourself I, to get in the groove. Oh, wow. I like that. I mean, you've just given so much wonderful information. Um, Thank you. Wow. Um, okay. This is probably the last question I'm going to be able to ask you in our time today. Okay. What is what is the role of validation in developing one's intuition? <laughs> Well, I'm laughing because I'm I'm remembering a time when I was first starting out and I was working in a cafe and I was asking people to sit down and give me constructive criticism because I thought I might have this ability, but I wasn't entirely sure. So I worked with a lot of people and I did a lot of freebies in the beginning and all that. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that I started working with somebody who happened to have a very close relationship with a celebrity and that celebrity had passed on. But because I was a big newbie and I was getting information who now I can look back and I can say it was the spirit of that celebrity. I said, no, 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 this can't be happening. I'm making this up. You know, I brought in my judgment right away mm-hmm. without realizing, look, lots of people know famous people. Lots of people are famous people. Famous people pass on just like everybody else. Famous right. people are as likely to come through in a mediumship session as a person who never had fame, right? And right. it's our human judgment around that that would cause us to believe or not believe what we're getting. So long story short, I really was able to feel confident giving every piece of information I got in that reading except the connection to that celebrity status and the name and the conditions of the passing. So I wrote it all down. I gave my client the information, and she says, well, you know, this was really good, but if you had said X, Y, and Z, it would have made a much stronger reading. And I looked down at my paper, and there was X, Y, and Z, but I didn't have the confidence at that time to give it to her. So the point of the validation is that you have X, Y, and Z written down somewhere. So even if you bring up that shoulda, woulda, coulda, you learn to feel a little bit more confident the very next time. And over time and experience and practice with practice, you keep reducing the amount of time that you hold back on those very accurate perceptions. So your validation loop increases your confidence by giving you a perspective on you should have said it, you should have acknowledged it, and next time you acknowledge a little bit more and a little bit more, to the point where eventually you're just rolling with it. Wow. Yeah. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank, Thank you. You're very so welcome. much. Now, how can how can people get in touch with you or get more of you or if they have questions or they want to work with you or, you know, all that good stuff? Can you absolutely. share with them? Yeah. Sure. Let me give you all that information. Thank you. So my mm-hmm. name is Dr. Ron Weber, and I have office hours in Manhattan, and you can reach me at 510-496-3496. Again, that's 510-496-3496. In addition, my mediumship and psychic work works just as well over the phone and Skype. So my closest clients are here 
right in Long Island, and my furthest ones are in New Zealand. And I work with a guarantee with my mediumship, too, that you can look at on my website. So that is at communicationsinspirit.com. And you can also reach it by my name, drromweber.com. And then if people like uh, connecting with me on Facebook or Twitter, on Facebook, I'm at Dr. Rom Weber Spiritual Medium. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Rom Weber. And by email, drromweber at gmail.com. I kept it real simple. It's R-O-M like Mary with Weber with one B like boy. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Rom You're Weber. You're very welcome. Thank you so oh much, Oh, my gosh. Michelle. This is so fun. Um, and, and, wow. I just, and, of course, Manhattan is one of my favorite places to be, um, or to go, I should say, to go shop, eat, watch people, you know. <laughs> Especially now, Christmas time. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, I had a kid that, um, that, uh, went to school in New York and finished. He lived in Manhattan for a year while he was going to St. John's. And, mm-hmm. and so, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great place. But anyways, not to get off track, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Blissful Living. And, again, thanks to the fabulous, sensational, gosh, I, just wonderful Dr. Rom Weber. I hope that you guys enjoyed the show and got a lot out of it and are able to take some of the information that she shared with us to help you amplify your intuition and be more comfortable with communicating um, about sex with your partner and utilizing that intuitive self within you to to actually activate and communicate about sex as well as many other topics that we experience in our life and for most importantly, helping you to reduce the stress behind it all so that you can completely and truly eliminate it. Again, thank you, Dr. Ron Weber, for being a guest. And thank you all so of you much again. Oh, you're welcome. And to all of you out there listening to Blissful Living, I hope you enjoyed her because she was absolutely fabulous. If you want to get in touch with her, her information will definitely be on the website. And, again, her phone number is 510-496-3496 for getting possibly connecting with her during her office hours. And, again, I will have all her information on the website for you. So if you're driving or something right now and you're listening to the show, you will be able to access it via your computer, your smart pad, your smartphone, your smart technological device that we have available to us now. Um, I am Rochelle Marie Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous. And as always, I'm so grateful and so thankful for you guys listening. I'm wishing you peace to your mind wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. And until next week, have a fabulous week, and bye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.